Hello and welcome to PathwayToHappiness.com, what I call the Awareness and Consciousness Podcast. My name is Gary Van Wormerdam and I'm your host. I use these podcasts to share some insights and clarifications that come up in workshops or that I work through with individual clients. And for those people who want to go further in creating self-mastery in their life and creating happiness and love and respect in their relationships, you might be interested to listen to the audio in the audio program on my website. I've taken the most straightforward and yet effective and practical exercises to recover personal power and gain mastery over your life in those audio program sessions. So you can go and you can figure it out on your own, or you can listen to the audio that I've placed on my website and uh, take the shortcut. This session is part two of a love relationship podcast that I started the other week, and it's about desire. As we were talking about desire, talking about the different aspects of desire that we have, whether they be physical, emotional, sexual, that we seek to have fulfilled in our relationships. And that when they are fulfilled, it's a great pleasure. That emotional fulfillment and love, physical intimacy and affection, sexual union, great pleasure in fulfilling those desires. And when they're not fulfilled, it's like holding our breath. There's a burning sensation that builds up. There's a yearning sensation even that can even, we could call an aching that is created because we're not expressing and satisfying these needs to express ourselves. And the mind creates a lot of distortions, one of which is it interprets this yearning and this aching as pain. Now we have all sorts of reactions to our yearning and aching that maybe is associated with loneliness, but it's not really the loneliness or being alone that's the specific issue. It's more specifically this unfulfilled expression that we're holding back, that's creating the aching. One of the interesting paradigms is when we have more insight and awareness into the quality of these feelings, is that yearning doesn't become painful anymore. Yearning doesn't become this thing that we hate or try and get away from. As we become more aware of yearning and what it really is, it's the beginning half of the expression. It's the building up of desire to make that expression of love or physical connection to satisfy a pleasure. Then when we see the yearning in that regard, yearning is the other half of the coin. It's the desire to love, and then there's the satisfaction of expressing love. It's the desire for physical affection, and then the pleasure is the satisfying of that physical connection. It's the desire for sexual union, and then satisfying that desire is the pleasure. The yearning and aching is the other half of the coin. And the greater is your desire, the greater is your yearning and your aching. The greater is the satisfaction and fulfillment when you finally make that communion and communication of emotion and physical intimacy and relationship. So the greater the ache, the larger is the fulfillment of that desire when you finally connect and allow yourself to express that love and that physical communion. The danger is when our mind turns it into, through description, and describes that 
yearning and aching as a pain or something bad. And then it's labeled in a way that we reject it. What I want to talk about in regards to these desires is how they create conflicts and how it then becomes a means for drama and conflict in the mind and in our lives. One of the things that happens in the mind as we go through our years is it starts putting a criteria on how these desires will be met and what criteria have to be met before these desires can be satisfied. And I'll give you a very common one. Marriage. Many people hold that you are not to have sexual intercourse until married. And the mind makes the agreement, okay, I'm going to remain a virgin until I'm married. Well, now the mind has an agreement about fulfilling sexual desire. But nobody ever told the body to stop yearning. Starting at 12, 13, 14 years old, the body starts having yearning to express in a sexual way. And the mind has, no, no, that's not good. <laughs> We're not doing that. And so now you have a conflict between what the mind says and what the body feels. Now, the mind can make all the agreements it wants, but you are not going to stop the genetic DNA of the body from that desire to express, that force of life to create. You know, it's the whole force of the universe of the creation of humanity moving through those cells calling out to produce, which is its natural form of creating through sex that's going on with the body. No amount of agreement, conceptual idea in the mind is going to stop that force. Now you can refrain from acting on it, but the yearning's not going away. The body's going to continue to yearn to express in a sexual way. Same thing can happen if you make a spiritual commitment um, in whatever tradition for celibacy. You have this desire for God and you say, okay, the way to go and be in union and communion with God is to first become celibate or this path requires that you become celibate. Well, nobody told the body to stop feeling. That agreement in the mind does not stop the yearning and desire of the body. You can refrain from acting on it. But the feelings and desires and the yearning are very real. That's the kind of agreement that the mind makes to try and manage a feeling in the body. And it sets up a conflict. One of the scenarios that can happen is our yearning and desires overtake us in a passion. And we have sex before married or while we're in a spiritual agreement about celibacy. And then the mind comes in afterwards and says, hey, you shouldn't have. You knew better. You didn't keep your agreement. Well, now the mind is trying to punish the body. <laughs> now the mind is angry at the body and trying to scold it and punish it for not keeping its agreement. Well, now there's guilt or shame because the body broke the agreement of the mind. Well, the body's doing what it's perfectly natural doing. It's the agreement in the mind that 
is trying to make the body into something else or trying to not have the desire. That's a very perfectly natural desire. And so what became a conflicting set of desires has now become a means for guilt and shame in self-abuse and self-judgment, self-criticism. And now we're suffering over something that at its core is a very natural yearning of the body. It's a great challenge for the mind to manage the emotions, the yearning, the physical desires of the body. The mind is, as much as it tries, um, at odds with it. But we're used to, in Western societies, following the dictates of the mind and trying to get everything else to follow suit and structure of what the agreements in the mind say, whether they're right or wrong, or whether they're honoring what are real forces in the body and the emotions or not. We're trying to live by that set of laws in the mind to our own detriment and to our own self-judgment when we don't. Let's take another example. Love relationships. One of the big conflicts is money. So let's talk about how money and agreements about money can hamper our relationships. One person has an idea of what they want to do for the weekend and involves spending money. Another person wants to save that money. One wants enjoyment, wants to feel good, and believes in their mind that that process happens through the spending of that money. Then they fulfill that emotional desire through that activity that involves spending money. Another person, on the other hand, wants to satisfy their desire of feeling good, but part of that feeling good is financial safety and security. And that agreement is met by saving money. The desire that each person has is the same. It's an emotional desire. However, the constructs in the mind about how that gets met are in conflict. And now the agenda becomes, with people in conflict, how can I push or pull this partner or convince them to do what I want to do so I get to feel good? And the other person is pushing and pulling at us, trying to get us to do what they want us to do so they feel good. Now we have consistent agreement on what we desire. We both desire to feel good but we have disagreements in the mind about how that's accomplished. One of the ways that it gets sorted out or not really sorted out is people minimize discredit, disrespect, another person's agreements. Someone who wants to spend money makes comments about the person who saves it, and the person who wants to save money makes comments, critical judgments, about the person who wants to spend it. And so the critical opinions go back and forth. In the process, what happens to the emotional quality? It gets trampled on. Our ability our, to express love in a conflicting environment is hampered. Our desire to express love to this person we're in relationship is diminished. We're no longer feel safe to express love and open our heart to this person. So we repress our emotions. 
And now this desire, this natural intrinsic desire to express love is repressed withheld. And the relationship becomes unsatisfying. In this case, you could say that each person's desire to have their agreement met became more important than the yearning to express love. Or another way to say that is the desire for the emotional fulfillment had to fit a certain criteria. And for one person that was spending money and for the other person it was saving money. And unless that criteria was met, they wouldn't feel that emotion that they were seeking. It's another way that the mind is managing the emotions and setting up a criteria to limit how we feel or govern how we feel and creates a conflict between what is the mind's agenda of agreements and what is it that we desire emotionally. And then when we're in partnership with a person relationship, the conflict gets extended to them. My suggestion on the big scheme of things that the priority be on the emotional quality of the expression. Even as you're communicating your differences in what you want and what you don't want, what is the emotional quality of that communication? Because if it's bickering, if it's uh, judgmental, if it's opinionated and disrespectful, now you're trashing the emotional connection in the relationship. And what you really want in that relationship is the emotional fulfillment. Even your agreements is I want to spend the money or I want to save the money to satisfy the emotion of what I feel good doing is about emotional fulfillment. Don't let your communication in solving your conflict destroy what you really want anyways. So set the priority to honor the emotional quality of the relationship. Engage in a practice of communication and decision-making that first honors the quality of emotion and second to that comes up with an answer. Because here's something interesting. If you're in love with someone and it's a beautiful communion of love, it doesn't matter very much where you go that day and it doesn't matter what you do that day. The emotional fulfillment that you're seeking is already met in that relationship then you already have that emotional experience of enjoyment and fulfillment. The satisfying part of the relationship is the emotional connection and the physical intimacy. The agreements in the mind are just what we've constructed over history about how those desires will be met. Even the agreements in the mind have a priority to satisfy those desires. It's just they have a really convoluted way about how they get satisfied that probably doesn't really apply to real life. So in order to really honor our relationship, honor our authentic desires to create fulfillment and love and enjoyment in our relationship, it's important to shift the priority to what is the emotional quality of what I'm expressing and how I'm communicating. Even if you have differences in what you want to accomplish that day or what your goals are for the year, the manner in which you communicate that difference and share your side of it is affecting the relationship. If you practice communication 
in a way that's respectful and kind. You're both satisfying the emotional quality of the relationship. And these other issues that the mind says are so important aren't that important anymore. You become a whole lot more flexible in how you create that fulfilling experience of emotion. And you don't have to do it in the way the mind structures an agreement about how it's supposed to be done. If you make the priority the emotional quality of the relationship, what you then have to do is you start changing the agreements and becoming flexible about what you do with money, what you do with your time. They don't have to fit those rigid boxes that we formed years ago about how we're supposed to be fulfilled and how we get our needs met. No, you're actually communicating a way to get your needs met in the moment instead of having to fulfill this criteria in the mind that says this is how your needs get met. Quick story to illustrate the point. There's a woman married 40 plus years, a wonderful relationship with her husband, very kind, very loving, very respectful. And I asked her, do the two of you ever fight? And she was like, oh, no. No, I love that man too much to raise my voice to him. Would never want to hurt him like that. There is a person who's aware of the emotional quality of the relationship, both for herself and for him, and is aware of not letting the mind put its agenda of expectations and criteria on that relationship in a way that would damage the emotional quality of what they have. My suggestion for people who want to raise the quality of their relationship, to have it more satisfying, more fulfilling, more loving, and full of more physical intimacy and pleasure, is you place the priority on the emotional quality of the relationship and let go what are the desires of the mind and the pictures of what it's supposed to look like. That's a very big picture goal. A small, practical, fundamental way you can implement this is when you speak, what is the quality of emotion that you express? When you ask for what you want from your partner, what's the quality of emotion in your voice? That's how you support the emotional quality. If you're sharing about your day, what's the emotional quality that you're injecting into the communication? And this may be a challenge for men more than women, but I think men are up for a good challenge these days. Now, some people may challenge me on this and say, you know, I think it's healthy if we have a good fight and we let out all our anger and then we're not carrying it around. To that, I say, that is the mind story about what the mind says needs to be satisfied. The mind's agreement about the relationship is that all that anger needs to be aired out to each other. It's justifying and rationalizing putting emotional poison in your communication. And by going that route, you're satisfying the agreement of the mind that this is the right thing to do to the detriment of the emotional quality of the communication in the relationship. The mind will defend what it does. But if you learn to see the agreement behind that, you can say, you know what? Maybe there's a different way to communicate. Maybe there's a different way to air out this anger. Or maybe, just maybe, we get a little more clarity. Maybe we don't even have to get to anger at all. What are these reasons that we're creating anger in the first place? Maybe those could go. And then we don't have to expend it on each other. I was talking with a client. She was working through issues with her partner. 
And she was trying to find an answer of, where is this going to go? I was like, I don't know. says, I'm not too concerned about what solution you come up with. What I'm more concerned with is, what's the quality of communication as you work through this together? And it's more typically the man that wants to know, okay, what's the answer? What are we going to call this? What are we going to decide? And sometimes you have to make a decision. But sometimes you don't need to know right then, that day, what the answer is about what you're going to do. But if you are communicating with kindness and respect and love in a way to resolve that problem, maybe what you come up with as an answer isn't that important. Because as long as you two are talking in that fashion, with kindness and respect and love, it doesn't matter so much what the answer the mind comes up with, because it will be a satisfying communication. That's the kind of thing that happens with couples when they place the priority on the emotional quality of the relationship. Where you go that day, what you do that day, is not as important because you know that wherever you go and whatever you do, you're both going to enjoy it and you're going to enjoy being with each other because you have a great love and respect with each other. That's the kind of shift that happens when you place the emotional quality of the relationship as a priority over the agreement you have in your mind. And if you're more serious about exploring your thoughts, beliefs, emotions, and those dynamics, and making changes in those areas, really getting down to the core beliefs which drive the whole thing, please check out my self-mastery course on my website, pathwaytohappiness.com. The first few sessions there are free. Try it and see if those exercises are, are practical and effective for you. And there's also my book, MindWorks, the very practical exercises and a very in-depth explanation of how to address these very issues as well. Thank you very much. This is Gary Van Warmerdam from pathwaytohappiness.com.